Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ooh, brown chicken, brown cow. That's that's today, too. So, hey, everybody. Okay, so this is Marriage Therapy Radio. <laughs> Welcome. I'm Zach. Here's okay. Laura. She's here this time <laughs> for the intro. This, you guys, is episode number 69. Yeah, nice. nice. I've been so excited about it because uh, we have two very sexy things that are happening yeah, today. Three, um, including me. And go on. you're going to... Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, so we have our second ever guest who is amazing. Yeah. And we also have our second ever sponsor, which is cool. And we want to tell you about both before we uh, dive into the interview. One thing to note is that... Um, this is a long one. This is like 45 minutes long, I think. So Yeah, we, but it was requested. We, we have gotten a lot of emails recently for two things, two requests. Number okay. one, longer episodes. They, like, they really, I actually went back. Do you know that we started off with like 10 and 12 minute episodes and slowly as time has gone on, they've just gotten more and more wordy. Um, okay. But apparently you, uh, there's people are listening to them. You keep listening to them and you requested right. longer ones. So here cool. you go. Yeah. Yeah, and then the second request, um, sad enough, more dad jokes. More dad jokes. <laughs> hey, Laura, Laura. Yeah. Do you know why? Do you do you know why bald eagles never knock on the door? Why? Because freedom rings. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at your face, like you have such joy in these. Stupid ass jokes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so let me just tell you about our sponsor, which is hilarious because I am um, not only do I love and appreciate it, but I'm also a user. But it's Uber <laughs> Uber Lube and Uber Lube. Yeah, Uber Lube. I've been slinging Uber Lube to anyone and everyone who has genitals, hair, or exercises for gosh, like the last year and a half. I've basically okay. just given it out like candy at every event that I go to. So I have been giving out samples to all of Salt Lake. As many, whoever has a hand will take a sample of this. And mm-hmm. I think they've, you uh, tell they've me that all, you put a, like a, did you put like a basket at your gym? I did. So here's <laughs> the funny part. So um, I think a lot of people know that I'm a couples therapist, but it's not, it was not for for the sexual purpose for intimacy, but it was literally for athletes. So this lubricant is, it kind of has like three purposes. I think a lot of people think of lube as being for intimacy and and sexual purposes, but it's also for athletes, which, you know, I am. Yeah. So um, if you have chafing, if you're somebody who, um, runs a lot cycles, uh, my, you're like officially a half marathoner. I totally am hundred percent. Now I'm doing what? what? Well, when I, when I was running marathons in my twenties, I Mm -hmm. definitely had a lot of like chafing that I think it really could have helped with. I ended up putting band-aids on my nipples, but, but yeah, yeah, if you, if you're doing long miles and you're, and you're wearing clothes, which generally people are, then you're going (laughs) to, then, uh, it can definitely reduce the friction. Absolutely. It's nice. Especially for, uh, my running partner puts stuff on his feet and then also I think between his thighs and then, um, uh, nipples as well. So yeah, 
So Uber Lube was for the athletes and I put a basket out there and it was gone. And now I have people hitting me up. I feel like a little bit of a drug dealer where I'm just slinging this Uber Lube. Laura, do you have more lube? I went on vacation. We used the entire bottle. <laughs> so, well, you gave me a couple samples and I learned about them. Yeah. I handed some out to clients and they report yep. uh, using it with success. But then I, I also saw that you can put it uh, on your hair. So guess what I've been doing? And now since you have luscious, luscious locks, I know, you're taming you them flyaways. Tell them what you said. I, it's my favorite haircut. Favorite of all time. Yeah. That's it that you've ever had. That is one compliment per month. You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, if you guys are interested in checking out. First, Rebecca was like, you're putting lube in your hair. And I was like, that's what they say. But I like it better than the other thing I was using, which was Mm -hmm. also way more expensive than. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like you, you buy these like serums, right? And the serums are, are the same thing. It's just that they're so much more expensive. And I would never use a serum on my genitals, but I will use Uber Lube anywhere and all places. <laughs> all right. So anyway, speaking of uh, your so, genitals, um, yes. So our our guest today is one of my favorite people. Her name is Tina Shermer Sellers. She is a local to Seattle sex therapist and also an author and a teacher. She speaks all over the country and the world. Um, and we were just totally fascinated, in part because we just got to ask her any question we wanted, and she enlightened us about. Yeah. Sex and shame, I have such a girl crush on her. Yeah. Um, so I know Tina both personally and I don't know if professionally is the right word, but Rebecca and I did attend one of her conferences and just found it mm-hmm. really amazing. And I'm glad that she agreed to talk to us. So stick around. Yeah. We're really excited to share this episode with you. Episode 69. Nice. Yes. <laughs> hey, so we're here with my friend Tina Shermer Sellers and my other friend Laura Heck, but this is really exciting for me because <laughs> Tina is uh, a badass and knows how to talk about stuff that is really cool. But also, we share a common love and a common grief, which is Naked City Tap House. Oh. Yeah. We do. Do you enjoy beer as well, Tina? Well, I do enjoy beer and I enjoy cider, but this was a community meeting house i was actually there the first day that it opened it was right in our neighborhood we've been waiting forever for there to be just a wonderful pub brew house that kind of brought the community together and when it opened it exactly was that and Mm -hmm. you know we would walk there from our house and meet friends i'd meet Stumble home. It was just so fun. I knew everybody that worked there. So did Zach. And it had this yeah. side room. It had this yeah. side room that they didn't have. Op- they didn't have open like every day of the week. Like they for sure didn't have open on Sunday and Monday. And years ago, I started this um, community built website called thank God for sex.org. I can talk about it later, but we have these like great, community gatherings there and we would get panels together and we'd fill the room and have all kinds of open conversations and the the pub was so excited about what we were doing that they were like yeah come bring your friends you know and I don't know it was just it was our place and and yeah and that's actually where I first encountered Tina was um, as a as an attendee at one of these panel discussions and we were just oh you attended one of her events totally and uh Well, it was at Naked City, and so I was like, well, I'm going to be there anyway, so I might as well just (laughs) swing by and see what this lady has to say. But um, 
but yeah, we, the podcast people know Tina of how much I love that place and shared my grief when it closed. But Tina and I actually spent about half of that day together at, on when it closed and last call, just kind of talking about all the different <laughs> memories and friends that we had there. So I'm glad to, uh, to have that, uh, that shared memory. I think you told me Aww. what your total tab was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think I spent over yeah. 10 years. I think I spent close to $12,000 there. So. So Zach's total tab is as shameful. You see, I'm moving into a segue oh. here as my, my total number of hours spent on social media. So we all have to cut back in some yeah, places. Yeah. That's all I have to say. So <laughs> I'm excited too, because, um, Laura and Tina have never met each other before about 15 minutes ago. But one of the things that I appreciate about both of you is that you're both uh, able and willing to talk about sex in particular in a sex positive sort of open way. And I would love to see the watch the two of you just sort of trade uh, thoughts for a minute. I feel like you want to be like a voyeur I in kind our conversation. Of do. Well, you know what? This is episode 69 <laughs> and I'm excited about yeah. what, what, what kind of uh, connections we can make. No, okay. that, that well, was I weird. actually, <laughs> I have a, yeah, I actually have a question because Zach said, if you had Tina's undivided attention, what would you ask her? And I said, this actually came up yesterday and I'm so glad. So are you ready for this question? Uh, I'm ready. Give it to me, Laura. Okay. Okay. So I have, um, I've asked several friends, sex therapists to recommend books that I can read so that I can recommend those books to then my couples. And I have had three books that have been recommended. I'm going to rattle them off. Come as you are. Emily's book. She, she uh, yep, Emily's book. I actually heard it through audio, which I think is the best version because she her personality really shines yes. through. She reads her yes. own book. Um, uh, she she comes first uh, by Ian Kerner, mm -hmm. and then yeah, and then becoming clitorate, and that's by Lori Mintz. And so, tell me something. Why was I recommended three books about the female anatomy? And not one single book about how to please a man or how to understand the man's body or understand a man's pleasure. I'm curious, what about me? Like, I want to read a book that is going to pertain to my partner, which is a male. Um, do you have any recommendations that would be for um, people who are wanting to read for their male partner? Yeah, sure. Anne's got... Ian's got sort of the book that was originally called He Comes Next. <laughs> okay. What it was called when it was in hard copy. Mm. And then for reasons, I don't know, I'll have to ask Ian. I see him. We're actually on a board together, but I haven't actually asked him. But somehow when it came out in paperback, it was changed to Passionista, which is a terrible name because oh. it was much better when it was He Comes Next because it was a absolutely instead of a papaya, which is on... She comes first better. Uh -huh. um, but that book, you know, kind of goes through, you know, all kinds of ways in which you please a man. Okay. I think you have a good question though. Why were you recommended three books all having to do with women? Women are much more complex when it comes to under understanding them physiologically, emotionally, and psychologically. Um, and we really have no permission to embrace pleasure and to embrace our mm -hmm. sexuality growing up, whether we live in mm -hmm. a secular home or in a slightly religious or very religious home. Because if we do, we're called all kinds of names. Right? Mm. And, um, and yeah. so we often don't know it very well ourselves either. 
So having that book, when we're coupled, whether it's straight or gay or whatever, we're learning about it sometimes for the first times ourselves. Mm. We're being given permission right. the first time ourselves. Discovering with somebody is fun. Um, it's I often am recommending people for women, learn it yourself, for yourself first. Embrace it. Man, yeah. girlfriend, you got power there. You got power <laughs> there. Learn it. Claim it. Own it. Mm-hmm. Can I flip that over for a second? Because I, as you know, am raising two daughters. They are 16 and 12. And there's, I mean, I, don't, I certainly don't feel like it's my job. Well, maybe it's my job. I, I certainly don't, haven't solved the, cracked the code on how to teach them to own their sexual power or own their, their, their shamelessness. Um, what, what is it that I'm to do with my kids or what are our listeners to do with their kids if they're growing up in the environment that you're describing where we don't have permission or they don't have permission to explore their own sexuality? Well, I, I think you can... First, you give them a lots of sex education as they're growing up. And, um, you know, hopefully you guys have been doing that a little bit along the way. Mm-hmm. I'm all about um, soundbite sex education. So lots mm. of little bit as they're growing up, you know. Uh, what was it? They, they said um, when I was a kid, it was one 20 minute conversation and now it should be 21 minute conversation. 100 or whatever. 101 minute conversations. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Instead of one, one talk about the birds and the <laughs> right. beads, which is the very talk. painful yeah. and way too late. Right. Yeah. 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 Did you, Zach, did you see that small little video that was on Instagram back when I was using Instagram? That was me reading a book to Holden and he was going through how, how babies are made. I have a four-year-old Tina and so my son was learning anatomy and he was going through and he was really excited to be describing all of the anatomy and his description of how babies are made is incredible, but it was, I, I captured it on film and I'm so glad to play it back to him when he has his first child. Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> There's the other video that, um, that you showed us of this painting, Tina. So Laura got this painting <laughs> from a friend of this woman's body and the woman's boobs are like kind of sticking straight up in the air. I mean, they're just really, it's sort of artfully graphically presented. Yeah. Yeah. And Holden is like, Hey mom, this is really beautiful, but why are her boobies sticking straight up? You know, why why don't they look like normal boobs? (laughs) Well, it's what young boobs look like. My love. That is what they look like. They change directions over time. (laughs) They do. They do. They're like a thermometer or a barometer, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So good question. So uh, starting off with good sex education. Right. Um, okay. What else? Cause I'm super interested yeah. in this as well. How do we, how do we not perpetuate uh, our generational shame? Right. Well, they're, they're going to get some coming from the outside, but from the inside, mm-hmm. if you're giving them lots of good sex education and you really want to think about um, if you're, if you're starting when they're little, you want to think about trying to get the bulk of the sex education in before they're 12. And so mm-hmm. Just think about how curious they are. Like you're saying, Laura, they're curious about their whole world, their body included starting at age two or, mm-hmm. you know, and they're finding their pleasure places as soon as that they figure out that they have control over their hands, which is at about mm-hmm. 10 to 12, 10 to 12 months old. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's starting really early. And um, I know I have on my Instagram, a thing on one of the circles is on resources and there's books that you can start, you know, ages 
three and four to seven, seven to 10, 10 and up. And you can have these books sitting around the house and they have funny pictures. They have great words in them. And so they actually do all the work for you because the kids will pick them up and say, read them to me until they're reading them themselves. Mm -hmm. And so since it's all so very normalized, hard to Mm -hmm. get shame from that because it's talking about it just the way you talk about toothbrushes and spaghetti and, you know, the doll on the floor or whatever. It's all very, very normalized. So it's hard to get shame from that. The other thing to do is parents need to think about how they were raised. And so the places that they feel shame are the places where they're going to get triggered by their child's curiosity. And so they can begin to anticipate that. Then they can begin to go, okay, this is a place where I'm likely to be reactive on my insides. And so try to Mm -hmm. practice how that might go down, right? Like, so how might I be if my, my child puts their hands down their pants were in the grocery line, you know, like, I'd be hard mm-hmm. for me. So I'm going to practice that. So I'm often saying to people, if you can anticipate and then practice kind of in your head, how you might want to respond, that will help you rather than mm. going with a reaction. And then I'll often say too, even if your insides are going bonkers, try to have your face have a happy, excited face. <laughs> your face <laughs> is going, oh, I see your hands are in your pants. Okay, well, we're going to take our hands out of our pants right now, and we're going to wait until we get home, okay? So your outside face is like, happy face, we're okay. Your insides are going bananas. It's yeah. okay yeah. because because your outside isn't, I'm dying, your child won't log in. I've hurt my parent. I've scared my parent. And that's where the shame comes from because they're like something, I must be bad, right? Because I've done something to hurt this per- person that I love. So you're outside, you want to be like, I'm okay. You're okay. Right? Even though your insides are like, ah, you know, as you yeah. got screamed at or you, you know, someone got mad at you. Uh, those are our trigger points. Okay, I have I have a question because we did an episode mm, a couple a couple episodes ago about masturbation, and I had mentioned to Zach because we are kind of on a little bit of opposite spectrum. Like Zach had mentioned, I grew up in a household. Well, you didn't mention this, but I grew up in a household where we were talking about sex from the get go, and I was reading well, you a were, lot Laura about was, how and I was I was a, I grew up in a house where sex was very hidden and very uh, very shame filled. I mean, I was cruising my dad's magazine collection at five six years old and. No, no supervision, no, no permission. I love that word. Um, and so Laura and I approaching the topic came from different sides of the sides of the fence, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I had mentioned how I think it's so important that we masturbate so that we understand what feels good to us so that we can then uh, in- help our partner understand what feels mm-hmm. good to us. And um, you were talking about ages so I'm curious how one might handle, and I have lots of friends on different sides of the fence. Um, like, let's say, for instance, Zach might no, we're not going to bring your daughters into this. But um, if you happen to discover that your child is masturbating and not wanting to shame them or how to, I don't know, set up healthy boundaries or help them to um, feel comfortable with that. I'm, I'm just really curious what you would yeah. say about that. So, so like I said, they're going to discover those pleasure places. You know, we've got. Boys have 
approximately 4,000 nerve endings on the head of their penis. Girls have about 8,000, right? Because God loves women better. Twice as much. (laughs) That's a really intense, wonderful place, you know, in their genitals. You have to think about it like comfort, okay? It's like anything pleasurable to a little person, like the corner of the soft, silky corner of their blanket or the inside of their bunny's ear or whatever. They are going to, they're going to find that pleasure thing. And that's what they're going to go to when they need comfort, just like a pacifier or whatever. And so from two, three, whatever forward until puberty or so, that's probably going to get incorporated into their series of things that they do. Um, And somewhere in there, we're going to guide them into you're going to do this in your bedroom or in the bathroom because we're mommy, mommy, daddy, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. This is where we do that too. Just how we do things in our home. Right. So we help them develop a social structure around that. It's with the world that we live in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, When hormones jump on board now, somewhere between 13 and 15, Boys get a huge dump of testosterone. It, it increases by 20 times. That's like going from a glass of wine to two gallons of wine. They go from a bicycle to a rocket ship. Parents never tell them that's what's going to happen, but that's what happens. Okay. So I'm so glad I have little girls. <laughs> so girls get hormones too, but they do not get it like that. Like a giant dump, yeah. They're hormones. And if you want to watch a fun show that will take you back to adolescence, if you haven't discovered it yet, get on Netflix and watch Big Mouth. It's an animated show. Okay. Hilarious. It's all about adolescence. Um, this the- episode of Marriage Therapy Radio is brought to you by Netflix and <laughs> The boys get a hormone monster. Oh, wow. That makes him want to masturbate at every five minutes and leave class. The girls get a hormone monster. They make it makes her want to be mean to her mother, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. so she gets sassy. So, oh my gosh! It's and the second uh, second episode, not the second episode, but the second season, the shame monster wizard mm-hmm. enters the scene, which wow. is also fascinating to watch because the shame wizard gets each of the kids to hate themselves or feel unworthy through a different portal. Of the mm. child's tenderness. Mm. Wow. Very interesting. It's really cool. a good show. Uh, what was the name of the show called again? Big Mouth. Big Mouth on Big Netflix. Big Mouth, yeah, cool. on, on Netflix. Um, nice. But my point is, is that hormones have an effect on adolescence. And so boys will feel the need to move through their arousal cycle. They're going to have a particular kind of craving. And it is important that they know this. They're going to wake up 10, 11, 12, and they're going to have, oh, have had a wet dream, right? They should know this is going to happen. Their body is Mm -hmm. going to be needing to Mm -hmm. move through their arousal cycle. So the conversation with boys is this is happening. Your body is getting prepared to actually reproduce. However, we don't want you reproducing. (laughs) You're going to probably not partner until somewhere in your late 20s, early 30s. That's the average You're going to need to manage this. I want to help you figure out how to manage this without objectifying whoever, whatever is the kind of person you're attracted to, because who you're going to partner with, you're likely going to love. And I don't want you to have spent the next decade objectifying 
through, through masturbation, mm-hmm. the kind of person you're going to fall in love with because that won't fit your sexual schema mm-hmm. right? to have been wow. using for a decade, the person you're loving or the kind of person mm-hmm. you're loving. So let's talk about how you can use erotic imagery in your, in your um, fantasy life or whatever that will feel congruent and okay with you in your values. And so every family has to have their own conversation around this because kids are going to be handed pornography, um, uh, erotic imagery at seven, eight, nine years old. And so it's no longer that you can't, you can keep them from this. You've got to have a conversation about how is this going to work with how you're going to grow up and fall in love someday. Ooh, I'm just thinking about this is like the marshmallow test for kids, right? Like you can have pleasure now or you can have more pleasure later in life if you just hold off on all of this objectification. Um, do you know what the marshmallow test you know I'm talking about? I don't. Oh, um, who's the... I don't remember, but it's, it's basically so they, they put a marshmallow they, in front of a toddler and said, you can have this one now or you can have two in five minutes. And they found that the, the kids who waited... Ended up having higher SAT scores, more satisfaction in life, more, you know, da, da, da. but it basically was just the power of delayed gratification. But yeah, I want to jump in thinking about that. But anyway, I want to ask a yeah. question, which is what do you have to say to those of us or those of our clients that are adults who didn't come through the cycle that you're describing? Right. That, that are that have been objectifying their their type for a decade or two. Like, what do we have? How do we help them make sense of what's going on for them now? Well, I think that that sometimes people can get confused when they then get in a partnership and they're finding themselves in a bit of a struggle where the kind of sexuality that they learned in their adolescence and 20s had to do with using somebody. Mm -hmm. And then they get in with a partnership with, with somebody and their sexuality um, felt like, okay, I, I need to do this to somebody that, that, um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use a heterosexual couple just so I can make it a little bit clearer. So let's say that, um, a man learns that a woman is there for his pleasure mm-hmm. and he learns, let's say through heterosexual pornography, which was very, which is very different than uh, gay pornography that, um, she comes as fast as he does. She wants to do everything he wants to do. She likes a little bit of aggression, mm-hmm. learns about sex this way, and no mm-hmm. one teaches him anything different. So then he gets in a relationship and he thinks she's going to want sex on his timeline in his way. And his, her arousal cycle is going to be as fast as his. Mm-hmm. And let's say she doesn't, really know a lot about her sexual cycle or what she likes. And she kind of goes along with his. So now they're having sex in a pretty transactional way. They're doing what he wants to. They're trying to do it as fast as he does, but her arousal cycle is actually much, much longer. She heats up a lot slower than he does. Right? Mm-hmm. doesn't like to do it the same way he does all the time. She actually doesn't like a lot of aggression. She likes things to be slower maybe, or likes to have things change up, but she's still kind of trying to discover that. 
he's never seen pornography. He's never seen it like that before. So mm. he thinks, well, wait a minute. I, that, that seems like silly foreplay. Anyway, that doesn't seem like the real yeah. thing. Mm. And so, but they don't even really know how to talk about it. So pretty soon her sex drive is tanked. She doesn't actually want to do sex anymore. And he's like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you have the desire that I do? She's like, something must be wrong with me because I'm not liking sex at all. It feels like a chore to me. You know, yeah. now she's like putting it off. Now she's not even hugging him in the kitchen anymore because she's afraid to hug him in the kitchen because if she does, the train's going to be out of the tracks, down the tracks. He's going to want to have sex. So now she's pulling away from him all the time. And now he's super lonely. He's feeling like, I don't even get affection anymore. I like miss her so much. Oh, and, and, but he's turning it all into sex because that's the only way he knows how to get connection from her. And she's feeling like all he wants is sex. All he wants is sex. All he wants is sex. Forget it. And so now they're fighting all the time. And really what happened was he got set up for affection and connection and pleasure wrong from the get go. He got wrong when he was 13, 14 years old. And she got set up wrong because no one told her about her own body, her own sexuality, how to have pleasure, how to ask for what she wanted. No one told him about her and how to actually please a woman. No one. And so they got into this really bad male-oriented sexual dance from the get-go that was actually doomed for failure. And yeah. one told them, and that's almost every heterosexual couple in every therapist, sex therapist's office. And so what do we yeah. do? <laughs> you have to deconstruct it mm-hmm. and you have to help him learn about what female sexual desire looks like, what her arousal cycle is like. You have to help her learn about her own body and how wonderful her own pleasure mm-hmm. is that she can ask for things. You have to do things like give her a night that's entirely for her and teach him how to make love to her without intercourse. Mm-hmm. He's never Ooh, done I love before. that. Oh, and then it turns him on to no end. And then, you know, but he does. Are there any rules if it turns him on? So uh, here's the thing we love with our podcast to give people like a tangible, like a challenge. And I love this idea of sending all of our listeners home and saying, okay, Tonight is all about all about one of you because we might have partners that are male, male, female, female. So let's just say we pick the female partner. It's all about you. I want you to turn your partner on and I want you to make her feel good. Find what makes her feel good um, without intercourse. So is that what what else would you say? Yeah, that's we could go with that where it's absolutely all about her. It's okay if you get an erection. It's okay, but you're going to keep your jammy pants on. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to first run her back. You're going to first really listen to her. Yeah. She's not going to believe you. I just want you to know she's not going to believe you. And don't take it personally. Because why should she? Not why should she just believe you. But you have to understand that men have been taking from women since the dawn of history. So it's part of that, that she won't believe. So you have to just be so loving and so careful and slow. And you have to think of every inch of your body. The tips of your fingers are doing nothing but love, nothing but love for at least an hour and a half. 
and you are going to make love to every inch of her body. And you're not going to get anywhere near her genitals or her breasts until at least a half an hour has passed. (laughs) And you are just going to goo all over her and you're going to be making contact with her eyes near the whole time and just telling her how much you love her. It's not about these parts. It's all her. And even though I know that's what's in your heart, because most of the men I work with, they love their wives to bits. Mm -hmm. They just forget to keep telling her this. And she has a hard time taking it in. And so I'm like, guys, you've got to just keep telling her because she believes that all he wants is the parts. Really? And it's like, you got to go over this over and over. So that's one, that's one whole thing you could do. Another one, love it. Tape intercourse off the table for two weeks, figure out 30 other ways to make love to each other. Other ways. Love it. Yeah. Or take genitals off. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. high challenge. 30 okay. Ways to make love. I have a follow up. So let's Wait, say we take Laura, genitals I'm gonna off. I'm going to cut you off because uh, two things I'm aware of. One is that we are almost out of time. I know we could talk to Tina forever. <laughs> I know. I'm like, don't take this away from me. I Um, just want to keep talking. I know. I know. We'll have her back. The other thing is I want to go ahead and pitch that what Tina's speaking is the truth because um, Rebecca and I about a year and a half ago took uh, a conference with Tina, a three night event. And she basically taught us how to do exactly this, right? The first night was you go ahead and make love. Don't have sex. The second night or the second part of the activity was really focused on one partner. And then the third activity, the third afternoon was, focused on the other partner. And it meant a lot to us to really change the paradigm for how we thought about one another and one another's bodies and what that was like. And Tina, I'm not going to remember the name of the conference, but I want you to pitch it real quick because I know you've got that going on. And then um, I'm going to talk about your book for a second before we have to shut it down. So the, the retreats are called Passion for Life Intimacy Retreats. And we run them a couple of times a year. Um, and we'll have one in October in Colorado and we'll have one in Seattle in November. And you can find information on them at, um, nwioi.com forward slash retreats. And NWIOI is your thing. It's Northwestern uh, Institute on Intimacy, I think. Northwest Institute on Intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've written this book called Sex God and the Conservative Church Erasing Shame. From sexual intimacy, which is part of what we talked about tonight. And um, I uh, got to got to kind of go through pieces of it, but I think it's uh, going to be a great resource both for couples and for therapists. Yeah. Yeah. That's its purpose. Yeah. Um, and I'm that's sad. Awesome. I'm sad that we're out of time, but we are. So we need to. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I know. Laura, why don't you go ahead and get your one more question in and then I'll, I'll arrange okay. you in, in just a second. I guarantee you can do it in like 15 seconds or less. For our listeners who want to arouse their partner without entering into any of their genital zones, can you name from head to toe different erogenous zones that maybe maybe people are not aware of? Uh, you know, it's not the same for everybody. That's right. But, so you, you do have to kind of discover with each other, but ears and necks, eyes, eyelids are often it for sure lips. Um, and, um, for many people, their breast areas are underneath their arms can be down the center of their back, the small of their back can be, and also depending on the person down in the small of their belly can be as well. 
Wow. Okay. So, yes, yeah, she can. That's awesome. And then I got one more. Tina, show Laura <laughs> your ring because I was telling her about it a little earlier and describe it for Thank us. You. Oh, yeah. That's a peach for sure. It's, a, it's an engorged clitoris. Oh, that's a clitoris? That's very engorged. It is. This is the part that's inside your body. Oh. Wait. Tiny part that's outside. You guys, I'm looking at this. I thought I was aware. She's holding her 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 pointer finger up, and I'm. It literally it looks like a vulva to me. But that if that's a clitoris, I yeah. believe you. So most people don't know the anatomy of a clitoris, but all if you've ever had what you think of as a vaginal orgasm, that's because the legs of the clitoris go inside your body and kind of wrap kind of around your vaginal opening and um, that's what gives you that sort of rocking feeling on the inside I think I learned that from from the book uh, which one becoming clitoris yes. I learned I read go. a whole there book on go. the clitoris Lori would teach you that <laughs> oh Thank you so much, Tina. I really appreciate it. And I wrote down, I'm looking for a retreat to spend some time with my husband and we might just see you in October. That would be really cool in Colorado because I'm in Salt Lake. You'd love it. It's wonderful. Tina, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio and a huge shout out to our sponsor for the episode, Uberlube. Uberlube.com is where you can find all of their products. One that I am specifically very excited about is their brand new Good to Go Traveler. It comes in a smaller size and it is almost like just enough to take with you while you're on vacation and it'll travel discreetly with you in your purse. But I want to make sure that you're taking your Uberlube wherever your adventures go this summer. Thanks so much for all of your time and attention that you are putting into making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.